pastor's been saying for most of the year that one of the words was to cooperate with the Holy Ghost. It's good to cooperate, isn't it? And one of the reasons for cooperating is so that we be prepared. God's strategically doing some things and getting us prepared and getting us in the right place and getting us where we're supposed to be. One of the jobs of the fivefold ministry is to warn the flock and to keep the flock safe. How many of you want to be prepared? And how many of you want the pastors to warn the flock and keep the flock safe? God's just stirred up in me for us to be prepared. One of the best ways for the sheep to be prepared is to have knowledge, is to know some things. Paul said we are not to be ignorant of the devil's devices, didn't he? Believers are sheep. God calls them sheep, but what that word is is believers. When believers are ignorant, the devil can get in, take advantage of us, just because we don't know something. We don't understand. We hadn't been taught. And so we can get things messed up in the church. And you know, in this church, it's my desire as part of the pastoral team with pastor here, it's my desire to run the devil off before he ever comes. To let the devil know, devil, you aren't getting by with anything here because this is a people that is prepared. This is a people that's not ignorant of your devices. This is a people that are going to recognize you when you show up And they're not ignorant, and they're going to know you when you show up. You're not getting into this church. You're not getting into this church because we're not ignorant of your devices. That's my desire. And so tonight, I'm going to talk to you about recognizing a wolf. Because the Bible says that in the sheepfold, that there are three kinds of people. There are sheep, and there are goats, and there are wolves. And most of the body of Christ does not recognize a wolf. And yet the Bible teaches us that wolves will come. And that wolves will come into a church. And we're going to find out what they look like. And we're not going to ever let one in here. Amen. Amen. I wish we had time to talk about sheep and goats. Maybe sometime we'll talk about the sheep and goats. I tell you what though. (laughs) Most churches are full of goats. Not this church, but most churches are full of goats. Hallelujah. Goats aren't real dangerous, but wolves are. Goats are an inconvenience and a, a kind of a thorn in the pastor's flesh. I bet Brother Schneider's seen enough goats in his life. He's saying, yes, he has. <laughs> a lot of churches are full of them. But, you know, wolves don't come around usually as often as goats. And so sometimes we don't recognize them. But I'll tell you one of the misconceptions about goats and wolves is this, is that they're not saved. But wolves are saved. They're going to heaven. And goats are saved. Goats are going to heaven. Now there is a place in scripture where God compares goats and he says on that final judgment day, you know, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he's talking about there, he's talking about believers and unbelievers. But within the church, within the sheepfold, goats are saved. They buck and do all sorts of stuff. But they're saved. They're ornery. Goats are just ornery. Sheep aren't ornery. They're not. And wolves are saved. And that's why God's people don't recognize them. And as I've meditated on it, I've come to realize people don't recognize wolves because they think a wolf is somebody. They think it's like in Little Red Riding Hood. And he's the big bad wolf. And he's not saved. I mean, he's a devil. No, wolves are saved. Wolves are just sheep who get out of divine order. 
way far out of divine order. Now, goats are a little bit out of divine order, but wolves can be sheep. I mean, they're saved. They're going to God's heaven, but they get out of divine order and start doing things their way instead of God's way. We need to be able to recognize wolves. So go to Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. And you will be prepared. Verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. See, God makes the pastor the overseer. To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Remember that part, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So we see in this scripture that there can be wolves in the flock, or there can be that wolves come into the flock. And it says there that they want to draw away disciples after themselves. The message Bible says they want their own following. That word there, perverse things. They says they speak perverse things. See, we kind of get the wrong interpretation of that because we think they're going to come in. Perverse to us means naughty. They come in and saying naughty things. No, what they do is they come in misinterpreting things and distorting things. That word, if you look it up in the Greek, perverse, means misinterpret and distort. And it says they don't spare the flock. They hurt the flock. They hurt the sheep. John 10, verse 12. We'll go over there and look. Thank you, Jesus. We've been talking about divine order. And that if we want angelic help, that angels are very sensitive when we get out of divine order. And when wolves are out of divine order, we're not going to have the angelic help we need. And so we want to stay in divine order. And this is a part of it, being warned of people that could come in, wolves, and try to get us out of divine order. In John 10, verse 12. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. Well, we're going to talk about the wolf here. It says the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. Catcheth there means plucks up and seizes. Tries to pluck them up out of their place. Tries to pluck them up out of where God's planted them. Scattereth there means waste them. You know, when something's wasted, it's no good. When you waste something, it becomes no good. It, it's a wasted thing. In Jeremiah 5, 6, it says that the wolf spoils the sheep. Spoils the sheep. Spoils your life. The wolf can spoil your life. I've watched it and seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. Wolves tear up churches. They abort the plans of God for a city, and they destroy believers' life. And they do it for one reason, and we already read that reason. They want a following, message translation said. They want the preeminence. They want to be the leader. They want to be the pastor, but God has not chosen them. And wolves always start out looking like sheep. Now, this is what you've got to know, because like I said, because we're naive about it, we think, oh, a wolf comes in, they look bad. No, they start out looking like sheep. And they look like really good church members for a while. But, you know, Matthew 7, 15 talks about wolves in sheep's clothing. They can have on sheep's clothing. So the main thing, I'm going to give you some things to watch for tonight, several things to watch for tonight. But the very main thing I could tell you tonight when watching out for your life and for what God's doing in your life is to follow the Holy Spirit, to trust the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
I'm going to give you some things, and I'm telling you, they're proven. They're not just proven by me. They're proven by other ministers. They're proven through the years of experience of watching things happen in our church and other churches and pastor friends that we have and things that we've learned as we've gone to pastoral meetings. If you want to know what pastors talk about at pastor's meetings, if you always wanted to know, well, this is what they talk about mostly is things just like this. You know, if you go to a pastor's meeting and they just preach a message they could have preached on Sunday morning, you go, why did I waste my time? You know, I need something to help me pastor. And so that's what happens at pastor's meetings. You follow the Holy Ghost inside of you, and you trust the Holy Spirit. And I know you're this way because I'm this way. I get something from the Holy Ghost inside of myself, and I try to talk myself out of it. I begin to reason in my mind and say, Oh, God, oh, God, that couldn't be that way. God, that couldn't be that way. Why, look how nice they act. Why, look how good they look. Why, look the good things that they do. That couldn't be what I'm sensing inside of myself. Family, I've done that several times. I'll tell you, trust me. Learn from me in this. Trust me. I've always been wrong, and my gut has always been right. My head has always been wrong, and my gut has always been right, 100% of the time. And had I listened to my heart, my innermost being, oh, Family, listen to your spirit. Listen to your spirit. Amen. Number one thing, a wolf always feels an inward drive to have a chief seat or high position in the church. Sometimes they believe God has told them that they are going to be the pastor. Sometimes they're called to the ministry. They really are actually called to the ministry, but they're out of God's timing. They're trying to encroach on another man's calling. One of the prophets, Ed Dufresne, talks about how serious and how dangerous it is to encroach on another man's calling. If someone lusts for another man's position, they will murder them in their heart. Now, I'm going to tell you something else that might surprise you. This doesn't just happen in churches. This happens in businesses. In business world, they call it a power struggle. I know my dad encountered it. He's been the president of several banks, and he worked for a corporation who owned several banks, and they would move him and make him the president in a different bank. And I know one time they transferred him to Pecos, Texas, which is the dropping-off place of the world. <laughs> you drop off the world right after Pecos, Texas, right about Van Horn. And if anybody ever been there, you know. Oh, dear God. <laughs> uh, mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, they moved him to Pecos, Texas, and he was the president. The corporation had appointed him him the president but there was a woman that had been there a long time a cashier or something I don't know she was not much of anything but she just there by seniority had got to thinking she was the boss and so there was a power struggle somebody encroaching on somebody else's position and it's a dangerous thing to do you know in the business world you may can get by with it but in the spirit realm it's a very dangerous thing to do and if you lust for another man's position, he'll start out just wanting their position. If you lust for another man's anything, this will happen. If you lust for another man's position, you'll start out just wanting it. And then pretty soon, you'll be starting to want them to get sick. You'll have those thoughts. Maybe they'll get sick. Maybe that's how it's going to happen. And God's going to make me. And then the next thing you'll do is you'll start wanting them to die. And then you know what the Bible says when you got there where you want them to die because you've taken it that far. Now, this is progressive steps. You know what? You've already become a murderer. Amen. 
The Bible says you're just as guilty as the man down in Brent who did murder somebody. You already murdered them in your heart because you want them to die so you can have their position. This happens every day, family, for people's wives, Amen. for people's money. How many times do children all of a sudden want the inheritance, get in a financial bondage, and want the inheritance and begin to wish that mom and dad would just move on into glory? I mean, y'all are looking at me funny, but this happens. Amen. We start wanting people to die so we can get their money. Family, we've murdered. Amen. That's lust. And that's where it'll take you. Don't ever lust for somebody else's position. God has a position for everybody. The Bible says in Romans 15, 20 that we're not to try to build on another man's foundation. And see, the wolf wants to build on another man's foundation. They don't want to start a church from scratch in a new place. They want to steal one. Churches are planted. They're not split. Churches are never split. Put this in your thinking. It is never God who splits a church. I don't care what the pastor is doing. It's never God that splits a church. God plants churches. He doesn't split them. And it is out of divine order to leave a church and start another church in the same city. That is the law of God in every city in this earth. It's not wrong to move into a city and start a church with other churches there. It is not wrong. God leads you to do it. If God leads you to go... Let's just pull a city out of thin air, okay? Let's just say God's leading you and he's telling you, well, let's just go to Tulsa. You know, let's go to Mecca. That's the Christian's Mecca. You know, that's the high place where all us spirit-filled people, we all look to Tulsa. Let's just say God speaks to you and says, go to Tulsa and start a church. It is not wrong. God's speaking to you. You move into Tulsa, rent you a building. You start you a church. But I'll tell you what is wrong is for you to go get in Billy Joe's church or Bob Yandian's church or Willie George's church or Pastor Hagen's church or Curtis Eastman's church or any of those churches there. You go get in those churches and then move out of them and start you a church in Tulsa. That's wolf. Amen. Amen? Now, I'm not saying people don't do it, but it's wrong. It is wrong. It's out of divine order. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29, it says that we are to discern the Lord's body and that one of the main reasons for sicknesses in the church is that we don't discern the Lord's body. Amen. I have watched this happen, that people who do bad things like that, who split churches and stuff, I've watched it over and over. Invariably, they get sick. Why? Because they didn't discern the Lord's body. They didn't discern how precious a church is that God has planted. Okay, the second thing is that wolves don't like to do the work of the ministry. They want to preach. They don't want to paint. They don't want to scrub floors. They don't want to clean toilets. They don't want to go to the nursery. They think God has called them to hire things, and they are no longer supposed to do those things. Turn over to Mark chapter 9. I know one time we encountered one. She said, well, you know, I'm supposed to do this. And the church pastor said, well, you go to the nursery. No, 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 no. Can't go to the nursery. No. No, no they don't ever want to do anything like pain. In fact, they sometimes even will say things like, uh, I'm not supposed to do that anymore. God's told me that time for me has passed, and I'm not supposed to do that anymore. I'm just supposed to pray and study. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Mark 9, verse 34, and the disciples had this little problem themselves. 
They were kind of having a power struggle. They were wrestling over who was going to have the preeminence here. In verse 34, But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. You know, family, we don't ever get too high and mighty to clean a toilet. We don't ever get too high and mighty to change a baby's diaper. We don't ever get too good to come down and have a work day at the church. God doesn't call us to be more spiritual than that. Amen. Number three, they are easily drawn into strife. Now, a lot of times, they don't say much. You think, well, they don't talk strife. But you know what? They love to listen to little tidbits of strife. In fact, they set themselves up as a listening ear for strife. Number four, they have problems with church leadership and can't work it out. And they start to say things like, pastor's hard to talk to. You know, wolves are afraid of pastors who are strong. And they start avoiding the pastor. And I've noticed they'll also start avoiding the other five-fold ministry because they don't want to get exposed. Amen. Number five, they have problems submitting to pastor. Number six, they don't like offerings and teachings on money in the church. And they say things like, he talks about money too much. Listen, there is nothing new under the sun. How many times do you think we've been through and heard this little scenario? How many times do you think that we've encountered this little fight over not teaching on money? It's just the devil. Number seven, they defame pastor's teachings. And they sometimes do this in a very subtle way. In order to draw disciples after themselves, they hint, hint, See, they're never going to just come out and speak it out blatantly, but they hint that pastor ought to be teaching on something else. In other words, pastor doesn't hear from God. Number eight, they defame and talk negatively about the pastor when they are with other people. Now, they're real choosy about this. They don't approach people that are loyal to their pastor. If they sense you're very loyal to pastor, and so this is a good way to stay real safe, is to be very loyal. If they sense you're very loyal to pastor, they'll stay away from you. They really will. They can smell disloyalty. If they sense you're the least bit disloyal, if they can sense you're the least bit disgruntled, if you're the least bit disappointed, they go for that. Number eight, they accuse pastors, not just this pastor. I'm not just talking about this pastor. I'm telling you, honey, this is nationwide, universal. This is so big that Mark Barkley wrote a book about it. Number eight, they accuse pastor of being too hard, too strict, and requiring too much. Number nine, they become sly, sneaky, and deceitful in their attitude and actions. They start to sneak around. I'm going to tell you something. You might as well just up front beware. Anybody that wants to have a sneak around prayer meeting, a sneak around Bible study, divine order never sneaks around. Divine order always comes through the head of the church and says, Pastor, you know, I think God's asking me to do this and so forth. What we did when we were moving, we knew we were going to move to Tuscaloosa. And Pastor Webb, our agreement with him is we would just plant the church at first. But we knew it was God's will, and so we just prayed. And we talked to him about it, and he didn't give us an answer. But we wrote him a letter, and we told him, we said, Pastor Webb, we will never go against your will. We will never rebel, and we will won't even put our house on the market 
in trustful until you give us the okay. Even though we were under a time constraint, needed to be here by a certain time in order to get Eric in school, we told him we will not rebel. And I guarantee you, if he hadn't given us the go-ahead, we'd still be sitting over there driving back and forth. And that's how divine order is. So divine order never sneaks around. Number 10, this is a misconception that you could be deceived about. Wolves are faithful to church. And you'd think, oh no, they're unfaithful. Goats have a hard time being faithful. They have a real hard time being faithful. They have a hard time staying in one church, goats do. They hop around a lot. But wolves aren't like that. Wolves are faithful to church. They care what people think. They often appear as martyrs. Number 11, they gather security from people that support their views. They're clicky. They only fellowship with a select few in the church. Number 12, they don't receive correction or instruction from the pastor well. They don't want pastor to correct them. Number 13, they eventually will turn on the pastor. Number 14, they judge the pastor for the way he shepherds the flock. They say things like, if I were pastor, I would. That's one thing wolves do, is they oversimplify the whole situation. They don't know diddly. And they say, oh, they got all the answers. Well, you know, there's a lot more to it than it looks like. I mean, pastor makes decisions based on a lot of factors. People don't know all the facts. They don't know everything that's going on and everything that was said and everybody that he's ministering to and working with. And, you know, he, they don't know nothing. Number 15, they cause a division. They try to get it where it's pastor against the sheep. A church should never be where it's pastor against the sheep. We're all on the same team. If you're not on the same team as your pastor, you're on the wrong team. And you know that is so important, to stay on God's team. Stay on God's side. You're going to get in trouble if you get off of God's side. Amen? And God stays on the side of divine authority. God stays loyal to his pastors. Even when they make mistakes, he stays loyal to who he called. He'll stay loyal to you. You make mistakes and he's going to stay loyal to you. Even when they make mistakes, he stays loyal to them. There can come a point where God will remove them. A pastor can get to the point where God will remove him. But he never has needed a deacon board and he never will to do that. Don't ever... Don't ever, ever, ever let somebody get between you and your pastor. Don't ever begin to think for one minute that somebody understands you better than your pastor does. You believe the lie. Listen, nobody understands you as good as Jesus does. And right under Jesus, if you've hooked up in a local church, your pastor understands you and knows the wisdom of God for you better than anybody else but Jesus and wives, your husband will have wisdom for you also. Nobody else will have more wisdom for you. Now, somebody else may have more sympathy for you. They may tell you what you want to hear if you have itching ears. They may soothe you instead of correct you. But you know what, family? When we need correcting, soothing's not going to help. Correction's the only thing that's going to help and get us there. Amen? So don't let anybody ever divide. If someone says to you a problem, and that happens, someone that's in divine order will say, you need to tell pastor. Or if someone comes to you and says, I'm afraid to tell pastor this, or I just don't know if whether to tell pastor this. Anyway, anybody comes like that to you, the right thing to do is to say, go see pastor. 
And the second thing to do is to say to the pastor, Pastor, so-and-so talked to me. They have a problem. They have a need. And I told them to come see you. That's the second thing to do. Just telling them to go see pastor is not enough. There's no secrets in the church from pastor. There should never be a secret in the church. You know, pastor doesn't know this. There shouldn't be any secrets in the church. Now, I'm not saying he'll know everything about your life, but I'm telling you, if you're telling other people in the church, there shouldn't be other secrets in the church that pastor doesn't know. Amen. So they try to cause a division. People shouldn't feel more comfortable telling you things than they do their pastor. And that's a big red flag for pastors. Red flags just fly up all in every pastor's meeting, at every pastor's convention, when some people in the church begin to feel more comfortable with somebody else. Number 16, they hide things from pastor. And we said that. In divine order, there are no secrets in the church among the flock from the pastor. Number 17, they have sympathy for the people. Oh, you poor thing, pastor didn't do this. Or pastor did this to you. I understand you, but pastor doesn't. Nobody knows the sheep as much as Jesus. And nobody knows the sheep. Why? Because God's called the pastor. God's equipped the pastor. And I tell you what, God has called and equipped the pastor only to stand in the office of pastor in a church. And I'll tell you something I learned a long time ago is when a pastor is called to a church in a city, and this works for you too, there is nobody on God's green earth that can do it better. You know, Brother Copeland could come here and he couldn't do it better. Amen. You know why he couldn't? Because he's not called. Whoever God calls to a position, they can do it better than anybody else. And that works for nursery, children's church, musicians. That works everywhere. There's nobody that's better than you if you're called. There may be people that come in that can preach, prophesy, and I mean dance on their toenails in the spirit. That won't make them better. Amen. Whoever God calls. Number 18. They are inwardly hoping for money, prestige, or position. They're going for the money, or sometimes it's not the money, it's the prestige or the position. They want the sheep to look to them. And number 19, they're always trying to get into the decision-making part of the ministry. We need to stay in divine order. Now, there is a danger when pastors or ministers, any kind of ministry, that there's no accountability. You know, you read a lot about accountability, accountability in the church, and that there needs to be accountability. There does. But pastors aren't to be accountable to sheep. Pastors aren't to be accountable to the people in the pew. I mean, except that you're right here. You can judge everything that's said by your spirit. But pastors be accountable to other ministers. God doesn't ever correct ministers through the sheep. That's out of divine order. He corrects through equal or higher anointing. Amen. That's why he doesn't correct you through your children. Because they're not equal and they don't have a higher anointing. And he will never correct. Even when, you know what? Even when you're grown, you, God won't use you to correct your parents. Now he will speak to us through our children without them knowing it. I mean, many times when my kids were little, they would say something and I would go, dear God. And he speaks to the pastor through the sheep without them knowing it. He gives them confirmations. All the time that happens to us. It is so awesome in the prayer room before the service. We'll come in there and I'll say, what do y'all have? And they'll tell me something. And I'm going, y'all hear God. Because I'm going, y'all hear God. And then sometimes we'll pray stuff. This morning we prayed. We prayed it. And pastor acted it out. 
that healing anointing that came in and that anointing for finances we prayed that this morning people hear God that's not the question of whether you hear God you hear God but the question is divine order angels don't get out of divine order angels stay in divine order and we stay in divine order and the Bible says that even a pastor is not supposed to rebuke an older man but to entreat him as a father if an older man in the church gets out of order the pastor has to entreat him as a father that's what the word says staying in divine order respect for your elders amen now the world's kind of lost sight of that but that's godly that's Bible respect for elders the Bible says not to even receive an accusation against a pastor except in the mouth of two or three witnesses. If you hear that he's gone out and committed adultery, you're not even supposed to receive it except in the mouth of two or three witnesses. That's what it says. That's divine order. And we stay in divine order and we have angelic protection. We have the blessing of God on us. And wives have to stay in divine order. I wouldn't even be preaching this message if pastor hadn't said, yeah, that's God. And you know what? I'll tell you something else. No five-fold minister comes in this church and is ever above the pastor. I don't care if Kenneth E. Hagan comes in here. He is under this pastor. And if pastor tells him, don't you say the word, don't you use the word thee, T-H-E, and that he's going to have to talk somehow without ever using the word thee. There is nobody, nobody comes into this church that is above the pastor in divine order. That's why it's wrong in a Baptist church for somebody to decide they're going to start getting the church to speak in the tongues if the pastor don't want them to. You're out of divine order because it's whatever the pastor wants. And if he don't want you to speak in tongues, I mean, if he don't want you to wear red on red, the church, you either need to change churches or you need to do what he says because that is divine order. Amen. That's how God looks at it. Now, pastors are not to abuse that. They're, the Bible teaches them not to lord it over the flock. We're not supposed to tell you what color to wear. We're not supposed to tell you where to go on vacation. Now, if you're in sin, the pastor might come and say, Now, you know, I'm concerned. If your vacations are pulling the slots in Vegas, pastor may come talk to you about it. He may not. He'll do what Holy Ghost tells. But if he thinks you're in sin and you're in danger in your life, then he may have a mandate from God to go to you. But other than that, he's supposed to let you live your life, teach you the word. Isn't that right? Amen. We went through that in the 70s where they said, okay, you know, you're supposed to move to Oklahoma. I'm your shepherd and you're supposed to move to Oklahoma or wherever they moved. I don't know where they moved here. Where we lived, they moved to Oklahoma. All lived together and, and you know, did stupid things, left their bills unpaid. Why will people follow idiots like that? I know one particular, and he is an idiot in a town I know, and he did that. He went to Oklahoma and did that. He left all his farming debts, just walked off and left the crop in the field, walked off and left debts, just walked off and left it with his daddy and his brother and, you know, just a big mess. Went to Oklahoma because his shepherd told him to. And then he came back into town, and he started a church, and stupid sheep will go over there and go to a church for somebody like that. Think. Family, we just need to think sometimes. Think think that's not God that's not ever that's not God there's accountability number 20 they refuse to give approval to the pastor they withhold their approval that's a big sign number 21 they keep a list of pastor's weaknesses the times he's missed it 
They are building a case to prove the pastor is unsuitable and they're the ones God's called. We're just looking for what could come in the future. They have a holier-than-thou attitude, number 22. They're legalists. They're not human like you are. They want you to think that they are some sort of super spiritual thing. All they do is study and pray. They're way out there. And they're holy, holy. They want people to be in awe of them. I kind of like them down to earth myself. You know, God spoke to me Friday night in a movie. Something somebody said in a movie. We were with some friends of ours. Friday afternoon, some ministry friends that we submit ourselves to, and we prayed that. We spent the afternoon praying. And they prayed for me that God would confirm some things to me. They prayed that I would get a confirmation on some things. And so you think you're going to go with the Word and get your confirmation? And you know what? I watched that movie, You've Got Mail. That's a really good movie. Kim likes it. <laughs> and God spoke to me. I said, that's it right there. That guy that worked for Tom Hanks in the movie, he said something, and I said, that's it right there. That's it. And I told Pastor, I said, this is what God said to me through this movie. He said, yep, that's God right there. Now, we could get imbalanced, and we could be some sort of movie freak or something, I guess, and we might watch things. There's lots of stuff that's just not fit to watch. You know what I mean. I like people that are down to earth. So what to do? That's my 22 things. What to do when you spot a wolf? Number one. Now, this may shock you. The number one thing when you get something in your spirit and you're going, mm, right here, mm, mm, you know what? Is run to pastor. People have to be taught this because they think, oh, that'd be strife. That'd be spreading strife. That'd be spreading gossip. No. No. It's just as much your responsibility to guard the flock as it is pastors. You ought to run to pastor and say, pastor, now I could be wrong, but... You know, something is not right here. That's what you ought to do. Do that the very first thing. And the second thing you do is pray. Most people will say, oh, I'm going to pray first. No, run to pastor first. See, when you're dealing with a wolf, don't waste any time. Number two, pray. And number three, don't rationalize, like I said before. Trust your heart. And don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty for the greater one inside of you. you no, know, I had this lady in my church before, and it's like, oh, that'd be judging. She went to a church. Uh, I'm not going to call the name of the church. Uh, you'd know it. She didn't learn much over there, but one thing she learned, and she learned it wrong, was don't judge. You couldn't function because everything was judging. Oh, that'd be judging. We're supposed to be awake. If something's not right, we're not supposed to call things that are bad and say, well, you know, that must be good and I just don't know it. Don't feel guilty. You're not judging. Number four, stay where God's planted you. And I just wanted to close with this. In 2 Corinthians 1.4, it says that God comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them, our brethren. In other words, I paraphrase that for my own benefit, but that's what it says. God comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them, our brethren. Comfort there means exhort. If you look it up, it doesn't mean, you know, pat them and say, oh, you know. It means exhort them. Exhort means to encourage. And so when God's taught us something, like he's taught Pastor and I, we've been years in the ministry, and he's taught us these things. He's taught us by experience. He didn't take us through the experience, but we learned from experience. He taught us through other ministers. He's taught us through the things we've studied. 
And you know, family, I'm here because I've been exhorted by God. I've been comforted by Him. I've been taught by Him. I'm here to teach you. I'm going to tell you, you need to trust us. You need to trust your pastors because I'm teaching you the truth here. And if you will do these things and if you will watch for these things and if you'll say, you know, I remember something Miss Debbie said. I'm going to pray tonight that the things that I've taught you, that when you need them, the Holy Spirit will bring them to your remembrance. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Father.